Well, guys, ladies and gentlemen, take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 10. Let's look today at the Word of God. We're talking about today, I want to talk to you about building a spiritual resume. And as we look, we think about a resume. Some of us, as you get older, resumes, sometimes they look good, uh, but they're not worth the paper they're printed on. Have you ever had to interview somebody with a great resume? And then when you find out they start to work for you or they do something for you, you go, do you even know what your paper says you said you can do, right? By the way, I just... I just felt the air hit me in the back of the head. It just came on. Anybody feel the cold air? I just felt it. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit, but I feel cold air. All right. Let's get going. But the resume is actually only as good as the person behind the resume. Is that true? You can actually say that you actually, if you even, if you picked up the garbage in the front yard, you can actually say you were a collector of, of valuable things or valuable treasures, right? Because the old saying is one man's trash is another man's treasure. So if you pick up trash, you can say, I'm a treasure collector. That'd be, most people would understand that. They would think that you actually have jewels and gold and different things like that. And you might be picking up cans. When we come to the place today, our spiritual resume, I got news for you. All of our spiritual resume is going to look very similar. We're going to look very similar. As a matter of fact, no matter what your background is, when you come from, when you come to the place, actually, you were a sinner before you became a Christian, if you're a Christian today. Is that true? Now, I didn't do the same things you did, and you didn't do the same things I did before Christ, but we all come to Christ, we come in the sense that we come to Him as sinners in need of a Savior. That's why He's the Savior for all people. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever in the world that believes on Him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. That's for the world, that's for every nation. And even the Great Commission when Jesus left was, go to the nations. Go to the nations, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them everything I've taught you. And remember, I'm with you always. It's always, God always has a global view of things. So your resume has to have a global view. And, and I'm kind of glad that the microphone broke this morning. I'm kind of glad that the heat was, uh, I mean, the air conditioner was not working. I almost wish it got up to about 105 degrees in here so we could actually say, Pastor, it was so hot in there. And what I think God's doing is getting us ready for the mission field. Amen? Y'all ready to go back? Y'all ready to go to Kenya with me? I've been there. You ready to go back to China? Uh, you ready to go to Thailand? Um, let me show you something really quick. Melissa, did we ever get it up? Mackenzie's finishing her two-year time, and it's hot there. And I want you to turn your attention to the screen before I read the passage of Scripture. I want you to see this. This is just uh, kind of almost at the end of two years. Hey, Faith family, we did it. My two-year mark is coming up. I will be leaving Thailand next week on the 13th. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. Um, it's crazy that the time has already ended. Uh, just want to say I love you guys and can't wait to see you. And we're having baptisms this week in the village. So we, we it's my first time seeing baptisms out here. So I'm stoked. Um, thank you for your prayers. God is good. And wow, what a journey it's been. Love you guys a lot. God bless you.
Kenzie will be back, I think, on the 14th, and so she's having that struggle. She called me at 4 o'clock this morning. I said, do you know what time it is? She said, I know what time it is, but I figured you'd already be up. I said, you figured wrong. I was sleeping. I was nicely sleeping in my bed, but she started talking about, Dad, pray for me, because she's in the transition period, because the first baptism she's ever seen in Thailand, but also the first baptisms, she told me, in the village that's going to happen. The village that she was assigned to two years ago, they're experiencing their first baptisms this Tuesday. She said, pray for us because never seen it before because COVID-19 kept them out of the village for a while and now they've been back into the village. And I, when I said that, that big plate of food, she asked the lady what it was being kind and it was actually a, she was eating dog is what she said it was. And I said, what did you do? She said, I smiled and I did the missionary thing and I ate it. Anybody willing to eat dog for lunch today? We think about, listen, it's something we, we think about, we can't do that because that's our pets. But that's what comes to the place. What are you willing to do for the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, the flip side is true. What are you not willing to do for the Lord Jesus Christ? Got there and said it was impossible for people to come to Christ. She's personally been able to lead people to Christ. And now even seeing the home church that's happening out in the villages and in the cities, the gospel of Jesus Christ is being spread in Thailand. So that's good news to celebrate that the Lord Jesus Christ is not through with the world yet. As crazy as things are, he's not done working yet. Amen? He's a God who's at work. He's on mission. And if we would join him, listen, he'll do whatever. And she told me, she said she was going to, I said, well, tell everybody thank you if you prayed for me, right? If you prayed. Because if you didn't pray the whole two years that she was in Thailand, you benefit none in the kingdom of God. Is that true? Amen? Some of you are guests, so you, don't, you didn't know to pray. That's okay. But if you're not praying, if you're not giving, if you don't give to missions, you don't give to the offering, guess what? You didn't have any part of the two years of ministry. Because we're to be people who are people of prayer. We're going to see this today. And I didn't, she gave me that video at 4 o'clock this morning. So I, I didn't tell her to set that video up so to come to the place. After we talked, I said, the question is, if you prayed, thank you. And if you gave, thank you. Because if you didn't pray and you didn't give, guess what? No, thank you. For the people who pray for me and give to this church, thank you. Because we're getting the gospel. It takes everything, our T-T-R. Is that true? Our time, our talent and our resources to get the message out because who do they belong to? Who does all your money and resources belong to? The Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly right. Who does your time belong to? Who do you belong to? You belong to God if you're his child. You belong to the devil if you're not a Christian. Amen? Because Jesus himself, you're a child of the devil or you're a child of God. And children of God, we're going to look at that spiritual resume this morning. What does it look like? It doesn't matter what you say out your mouth. Listen, I want to tell you, the Bible says you're known by your fruits. And we're going to have a look this morning at a man named Cornelius who was a Roman centurion. And we're going to see his fruits. Let's look and see together. Uh, Romans, um, excuse me, Acts chapter 10. He is a Roman. I'm, I'm trying to jump ahead. Acts chapter 10, beginning of verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. A devout man, one who feared God with all of his household, who gave alms generously to the people. And he prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in, saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come before a memorial before God. Now send to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon the tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke with him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continuously. So when they had explained all these things to them, 
He sent them to Joppa. Verse 9, the next day as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up onto the household, housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while he was made ready, he fell into a trance or into a vision that God brought him into this place. And he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals on the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Verse 17. Now when Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made the inquiry from Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, this is the Holy Spirit, said to him, Behold, three men are at seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he who you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among the nations of the Jews, the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them to lo- and, and they lodged with them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Now we're going to see something today. Listen, God is sending the gospel out, and I feel the cold air even more and more now. It's, it's coming on. So if you get cold, please don't tell me you were cold in the sanctuary today. All right. It's hot and cold. We'll see what it's going to be. Look at your notes for a second. I want you to get this down. Cornelius was a Roman centurion. That means he was in charge of at least 100 men, potentially more than that. It could have been up to 1,000 men that he had been in charge of. But he was at least in charge of 100 men. He was a leader in the most elite army of his time. Yet he was a servant leader, as we can see. We'll see. We, like Cornelius, must make a choice when Jesus calls. Will we chase after this world stuff? Or will we chase after Christ? Just stop right there for your spiritual resume. If you had to write your resume as of to this day, your life history as best you know it, young people, old people, middle-aged people, would you say your whole life, the majority of your life was spent chasing money and resources and stuff, or would you say your life was actually spent, it's working, Matt. Tell him it just came on. It's working. You shut the doors. It's working. Or would you say that your actual, your life was spent chasing Jesus Christ? Would you say 50%? Where would you mark it? What would your resume say? Majority chasing Christ, majority chasing the stuff and self and selfish desires. A lot of us can say, listen, well, Pastor, my story is I didn't know Christ, I wasn't raised in the church. You don't get a pass, but okay, I understand. What about us today? What about us that are in the church today? Last Sunday from this Sunday, what would you, if you had to write your resume from last Sunday to this Sunday, was your week spent chasing after Christ or was your week spent chasing after stuff? There's a priority that we have to make in our life. We have to come to the place and see. Cornelius come to the place, and we can look at all the things, and I'm going to tell you what he was and what he wasn't. And we're okay with Cornelius the way he was. The, the top six things that I'm going to give you what uh, six things that Cornelius was not. And we're okay with this man being like this because we see ourselves in this man. We'll come to the place and give him a pass, or we'll give him an excuse and say, it's okay because that's just how people are. Watch this. Let me give you six things what Cornelius was not when God called him. Cornelius was not, he was not a Christian. 
You say, well, Pastor, he did all these good things. It just said he was a devout man. He sought after God. He was, he was a man who was actually doing good deeds for the poor. Let me show you this number two. Look at this. This is very important for the culture because he was a different race. He was from the Italian regiment. He was a Roman. He was a European. He was potentially white or light-skinned brown. He was not a Peter's race. He was a different race. He was not a Jew. Number two, he was not a Jew. Number three, I want you to see this. He was not a pastor, even though he was in charge of so many men and so many people. He wasn't a chaplain in the army. He was a centurion. He was a war, a man of war. Number four, he was not a minister. He didn't go to the place. Even though he had the credentials, but we would say it would be fruit of the Spirit or fruit of someone who is a godly minister, that would be this man. He was not a deacon. Finally, you'll see that he was not a member of any church. He'd come to the place. He was doing these things. Why was he doing these things? Because his duty assignment, we used to call them when I was in the military, our assignments. We'd have a Mediterranean assignment. We would be sent away from home, and now those poor guys... I've heard they set a record. Martin, do you know the record? 170-something days at sea. Because the Atlantic Coast sailors didn't have COVID-19. The Pacific Coast sailors have uh, COVID-19. So they're keeping the men at, and women at sea so they don't come back to the statesides and get COVID-19 and infect the, the ship. So therefore, they're flying supplies to the ship. And so that's what we did. We, we floated for 75 days straight during the first Gulf War. And they bypassed us with all the other supply ships and flew to us white rice. And after 45 days, every man got two cans of beer. I didn't drink beer. And they said, if you don't drink, you can't get it. I'm like, but I can also trade those two cans of beer for two candy bars, right? You learn the commodity trade. So it just, that's why today when I see white rice, I think it bubbles up in my stomach. It makes me think I ate that for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner. And the Filipino men would actually cook the mahi-mahi that the guys that brought their fishing tackle from home would fish off, their, fish off the fantail. They would catch the mahi-mahi, bring it on board. Filipino cooks would, would chop it up, and they would make, uh, we'd have mahi-mahi and rice for breakfast, mahi-mahi and rice for dinner, mahi-mahi and rice for supper. When I see mahi-mahi on a, res, a restaurant uh, menu now, <laughs> make, turn the page. Don't want it. Well, this man is assigned away from home as well. He Listen, he's over. He's far from home. He's from... He's around the Mediterranean area. He's from Rome, but now he's over here finding himself in Caesarea, and he's in charge. He's watching the people, and listen, that's what people are doing around you today. Did you know that part of your resume, your spiritual resume? People are watching you. They're listening to what you say. Uh, they're listening to the way, that you, the way you say things. You might say things that are true, and you slant them with a little bit of a slang just to make sure that they understand that you don't really mean what you're saying. You might be sarcastic, and you might be funny, and you might be harsh, and whatever you might be. We all find ourselves in different positions in life, but people are listening to what you say and what you do and how you say and how you do. They're watching you. The Bible says you're known by your fruits, and people are watching. And some people say, well, I'm, just not, I'm not judging people. I'm just a fruit inspector. You ever had somebody tell you, don't judge me? Well, the Bible says don't judge, lest you be judged by the same measure by which you judge. What judgment do you say whenever you say a lifestyle is sinful what judgment do you use? You have to use God's judgment. So if God calls a lifestyle sinful, guess what you should say about that lifestyle? It's sinful. If God calls something appropriate in his word, guess what you should call it? Appropriate. If God says, listen, do not do evil against those who do evil to you, what do you do? You have to do good. If God says, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake, what should you do? 
You keep holding the banner of Jesus Christ high no matter what happens, no matter what people say, no matter what people identify with. Peter could have come to this place. Listen, he's getting ready to be, his boat's getting ready to get rocked because he's going to come across this man. And most people would have said, listen, we're good with the people in his day. You'll actually read in just a minute if we keep continuing. The Jews were good with Cornelius. You know why? Because he was pretty wealthy. He's giving out the cash. Is he a Jew? No, he's not a Jew. He's a Roman. He's a Gentile. Was he converted to Judaism? I don't believe so. It doesn't say that. But did he come to the place he's watching, especially the devout men? A devout man will usually follow a devout man. You know how I know that, just from the word of God. What was his soldier and his servants that he sent out? Guess what the Bible says they were? They were devout men who served a devout man. Do you see it? Let me see if your resume is here. Listen, I know this is kind of a historical narrative, and it's hard to preach through without you seeing this, because some of you are sitting in this church, and you have about as much spiritual resume as Cornelius. You've come to the place that you do good deeds. I'm kind to people. I help the lost. I'll, I'll come to church. I'll give to the special offerings. But you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're not going to heaven. You're going to do all these good deeds your whole life, and you're going to miss heaven. God forbid. We come to this place of Cornelius and said, listen, this is just a heard from an angel, but I'm not going to respond. Guess what would happen? He and his whole household would have been doing good deeds until the day that he died. And when he died, he'd been dead, separated from God forever. Think about yourself. Think about people that are in church that you know. You say, well, I just love them enough. I don't want to say anything to them because I'll embarrass them. Would you rather embarrass your brother, sister, mom, dad, cousin, aunt, uncle, they might be friend, and tell them the truth and then be confronted by the Holy Spirit, and they receive Jesus Christ and go to heaven? Or would you rather not embarrass them, not tell them the truth, and when they die, they go to hell? And then you mourn the rest of your life. I wish I would have told them. I wish I would have told them. And they're in hell for the rest of their life. I wish someone would have told me. I wish I would have responded. It's real. Listen, heaven's real, and hell is real. But you need to see this. When we're building a spiritual resume, we come to the place where we have to understand these things. What was Cornelius? This is the things he was. Look, at, he has good attributes. This is a good man. He comes to the place. This would be our friends. Listen, we have friends who call themselves Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. They're mostly good deeds. You come across, they don't eat certain foods, and, and they do all these religious acts, and they wear special garments under their garments, and they, they go to seminary. Their kids go to seminary before our kids even go to school, uh, and our kids make fun of them, just for the record, many times. But they get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go to seminary two hours before they go to public school. They equip their students to preach and teach their religion. But this is very much like these people. Number one, I want you to see what Cornelius was. He was a devout man with good reputation among the Jews. He did not have a negative reputation. They didn't speak evil about him because he was a Gentile. They didn't accept him because their traditions wouldn't let them accept him, but they would accept his gifts. Do you understand that? You know people like that? I don't want you over here, just give me what you got. That's what Mackenzie was talking about in the village. Listen, we don't want you to come into the village because you might have something, the disease we don't want, but we'll take the food that you have. But in doing so, what happened is the people were actually responding to the gospel. Number two, Cornelius, what was he? He was a generous man. The Bible says he gave to the poor, and it's going to be repeated again in chapter 11, that he gave to the poor. He was a man who actually was a giver. Look at this, number three. He was a helper of the poor. Number four, he observed regular prayer and scripture reading. How do we know that? Well, look, look where we find him. If you go back and look for yourself, what time was it when he saw the vision of the angel? It was the time of prayer. It was about the ninth hour, verse three. It was about the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon. 
that he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, that's when the angel spoke to him. He was actually observing the Jewish time of prayer when God actually spoke to him because he, was, he knew there was something about these people, but he didn't know exactly what. And by the way, just so you know, these people didn't know exactly what either, did they? The Jews that are in Joppa, they're still following the Old Testament. And they probably have heard that Jesus has come. But what has to happen is you can hear all day. You can listen to preaching all the time. You can listen to, you can go to revival after revival, listen to Charles Stanley, Adrian Rogers, pull on your radio, pull on your uh, MP3, pull on anything that you have. You can listen over and over again that Jesus Christ is the Savior who come to die for all sinners, that you must be born again and never do it. You can know the facts in your head and miss it in your heart. You can come to the place and you say, I received that truth. But I just, Pastor, if I do this, I have to give up this. Have you found yourself in that situation? Many of us had that conflict of, listen, of belief. Are we going to believe this? This crisis of belief. Lord, am I really going to believe you? Am I really going to trust you? Some people say, listen, Lord, I surrender all. And some people say, well, I'll surrender some, but not all. God is not satisfied with partial surrender. He wants 100% of your life. He wants 100% of your time. He wants 100% of your treasure. He wants 100% of, listen, of your resources. He wants, he wants 100% of your talents. Everything that you have, he wants. And if we're so foolish, listen, sometimes we hold on to things like this, but if I do this, God, that means I've got to let go. And when you let go, guess what? What do you have? Open hands. And guess what he does? He says, now pick it back up and use it for my glory. If your gift, listen, use it for my glory. But Lord, you don't understand. Will you be misunderstood? Will you be misunderstood if you become a Christian? The answer is yes, daily your family, your friends? Will you be misunderstood if you follow in crisis and do something that makes no sense, no sense at all? Will you be misunderstood? The answer is yes. And by the way, just for the record, everything that God tells you to do never makes sense, by the way. It never makes sense. Let's, go back to, let's look at this man. Let's look at the spiritual resume. Listen, I know I'm talking about Cornelius. I know we don't know this man very well. I know we're talking about something that happened 2,000 years ago, but listen, it's as, it's as fresh as today. What is your spiritual resume? Can I say these things about you? Look at number five. He was a family man. Because it says his family, if you'll keep reading, you'll find that his family's been taken care of. He wants Peter to come preach to his family. He wants to hear some mysterious word that he didn't know what actually Peter's going to tell him about. Because remember, who went to Cornelius? An angel of the Lord. Who went to Peter and told him? The Holy Spirit. Why? Because Peter was a child of God. He heard directly from God. What is an angel, the Bible says? The angel is a ministering spirit. He goes and ministers in the name of God. And he went to Cornelius and said, listen, send for Peter. Told him where he was, what street he was on, whose house he was staying in, and what his first name was. Can God get more specific than that? God will speak to you the same way. If you're a child of God, listen, he's going to actually speak to the Holy Spirit. I want you to see something from Hebrews chapter 1, because so many people say, Pastor, I've had visions and dreams and different things, and I warn you about bad pizza before going to bed, right? I want you to see, listen, just turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. Go there, you need to read this, and you need to mark this in your notes. You need to have this as a record to know. I don't know everything about God, and neither do you, and if you do, that makes you God, by the way. Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says this in verse 1, God who at various times and various ways spoke to the time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. Who's his Son? Church? Jesus Christ. There is only one. 
whom he has appointed heir over all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So it says here very clearly, listen, who created the heavens and the earth? If you go back and look, God did. But if you go back to John 1 and say who specifically, whose hands, who actually, who actually breathed it forward, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. It says everything that has been made, he made. Therefore, Jesus is God. God reveals himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can see it throughout Scripture. The Father obviously has never left heaven. John 4, 24 says those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, how do I get to the point of worshiping him in spirit? I have to come to the place that I actually do it God's way. So many people are trying to do this world and this religious stuff by themselves. And religious stuff, listen, you can do it by yourself. But a relation with Jesus Christ, a relationship with Jesus Christ requires that he draw you to himself. The Bible says no man, listen, you're not going to come to God and say, one day I think I'll wake up and I'll become a Christian tomorrow. That's not going to happen. The Bible says God must draw you to himself and you respond to his revelation of himself to you. When you say yes to Jesus, he's already said yes to you. When he draws you to himself and you say yes to Jesus, then and only then can you respond. Then you can worship him in the spirit and truth. You understand? So the Father has never left heaven. But the Son, here comes the Son here to earth. He died on the cross. He lived for 33 years, sinless life, around sinners. He ministered for the last three years of his life directly. Peter's with him. He dies on the cross. He's buried in a borrowed tomb. Mom was it borrowed because he didn't plan to stay there. Amen? Three days later, he rose again according to the Scripture. He goes back, and the Bible says he's at the right hand of the Father. And then, lo and behold, he says, listen, don't worry, because if I go back, which I am going back, I'm going to send the Comforter to you. I'm going to send someone to you. And it is the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. So here's what's happening. <clears throat> Peter gets the message. Go back and look at this. Number six, would you see this about Cornelius before I get into Peter? Because Peter is a work in progress like all of us as well. Peter, uh, Cornelius was sensitive to the things of God. God was working in his heart, drawing him. God, where did God? God had to move him away from his house. God had to move him far, far away from his house where he had to get his attention. He came there on a military orders. You ever learn something when you transfer all your military personnel? When we transfer and get our orders, they said, don't open this packet. I remember when I got my orders, and I was scared to death. They told me I was going to boot camp in Orlando, Florida. I was like, that's sweet. I can do Orlando, Florida. never been to Florida, Orlando. And then they said, you're going to train in Pensacola, Florida. I'm like, that is even double sweet, right? And so they couldn't find my recruiter. So me and my dad driving around looking for him. He was playing poker in a laundromat. That's where we found him, tie off and everything. Oh, no, you missed the shuttle. You missed the van. We rushed to the airport. I missed the, I missed the plane. They put me on the next plane. I get to Chicago O'Hare Airport. Anybody ever been there? It is a monstrosity of an airport. I mean, it's huge. I have a, a knife probably as big as this microphone, a folding knife, big buck knife. That I saved up my whole high school career to buy. It was huge. You opened up, the thing was big. Didn't go anywhere without it. Kept in my pocket. I slept in O'Hare. And imagine this now in our classroom today. I covered the blade with my hand, and I had to sleep on the luggage. I didn't even know what the luggage return was. I'd never flown before, never been in an airport. I slept on the luggage return carrier that comes around. And the next morning, the, the, a lady yells at me, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm waiting on the Navy shuttle. 
And she said, well, get here early in the morning, so make sure you're up and about. So we get to, uh, uh, I tore up my orders thinking, where am I? And um, I wasn't supposed to open the orders, remember? I was told not to. And I'm in Chicago. It's in like Orlando. And I asked the lady, listen, where we were going, where I, where I was going when I got there. And she said, honey, you're going in, you got on the wrong plane. You're in Chicago, Illinois. Oh, no. So I opened up my orders, and it says Great Lakes, which is in Chicago, Illinois. And then my next duty station, I got out of that, and I'm thinking I'm going back to, had to, had to <laughs> I was the first cryptologic technician to go through boot camp there in 40 years. And if y'all know what I know now, I didn't know it then. The Intel guys were not very well appreciated. I didn't know what my job was. I didn't have any identity of who I am, what was going on, but they did. They knew what my job was going to be, and they just constantly would just berate me and say, oh, who do you think you are? And my nickname was Spies in the Navy is called Spooks, and, and they, they, you're always sneaking around, and you're going to be a spy. I didn't know that. This man, listen, we come to Cornelius. He has a background like this military. Once you're in, you learn the jargon. And you learn how to give it back after you've been in a while. This is this man. But listen, he's sensitive to the things of God. Why? Because the people of God, the Jewish people, they're praying three times a day. They're reading out of these scriptures. They come to these things. They, they treat the scriptures with holy respect. Now, there's those people who don't. But he sees these people. But I want you to see this. God sent an angel to him through a message. The message of prayers and your gifts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God. Church, listen. God hears and God sees you every day. God hears and God sees you every day. Psalm 139, I'm not going to read it today for the sake of time, but I want you to go back and read that. Psalm 139. It says he knows you're standing up, you're sitting down, you're lying down. He knows everything about you. The Bible even says he knits you together in your mother's womb. If you go back and read Psalm 139. The angel told Cornelius to send for Peter, who was at Joppa, which is a place called Beautiful. By the way, do you know whose house Peter was at? Simon Peter was staying at Simon the Tanner. What does tanners do? They tend hides of dead animals. Can a Jewish man be around dead animals? Why is he staying at this house? Because this is where God said so. This is the house on Straight Street, right? This is the place he's supposed to go. Listen, I want you to see this, and, and we're going to finish up here shortly. God had a divine appointment for Cornelius. God wanted Cornelius saved. Let me ask you about you today. Does God want you saved, yes or no? What's the problem? How many times do you have to hear the gospel before you respond and say, yes, Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you wholly? Yes. How many times do you have to hear the message? The answer is, listen, well, Pastor, I've been in church my whole life. If, if I say now that I've never been, been a Christian, all this time I'm taking the Lord's Supper, all the, forget all that stuff. Listen, come to the place like Cornelius, you, you, you hear the things of God, but you hear the message you must surrender to the things of God. God might have a divine appointment for you today, the, the heat's... The air's on, all right, or off. The microphone's messing up. Uh, all kinds of different things are happening. COVID-19, everything's trying to restrict you and stop you from hearing the word of God. And yet what's happening? God's trying to speak to your heart, saying, change your life today. Give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. Then and only then, what's going to happen? You can live this new life. On your resume will actually become a spiritual resume. Cornelius, the one thing about Cornelius, you'll see that being a soldier, look at this. Cornelius immediately obeyed God. He sent messengers to the specific house, which the angel told him to do. And Peter, here comes Peter. Lo, behold, Peter. Y'all know what Peter did, right? Peter, how many times did he deny the Christ when he was being arrested? Three times. How many times did Jesus restore him? Three times. We see, here we see that actually Peter's come to the place. He's resting. He's at this house. Verse 9, the next day they went on a journey and drew near the city. Peter went up to the house, taught to pray about the sixth hour. 
He's praying. Isn't it amazing that God speaks to both of these men when they're praying? One man's just lost, praying to God, asking God for something he don't know what he's asking for. He's asking for a relationship. And yet you got another man who's a man who loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is he doing? He's praying. At one time, the lost man, the angel of the Lord says, listen, you will get a messenger sent to you. I can't tell you the truth. Because the angel told him about Jesus. The angel would have loved to tell him about Jesus, but who restricted the angel? God did, because God's plan is that we will come to the knowledge, saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. How? By the foolishness of preaching. You and I are giving out the gospel. The only way, listen, angels can't do the job that you and I have been called to do. It doesn't care what your job title is. You've been called to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your friends, your families, nobody can be saved until you give the gospel out. You must give it away to them. Do you understand? It's your responsibility as a Christian, as a minister of the gospel, to give out the gospel. Well, Peter received a vision from God. He did not understand. Peter didn't understand it. Did Cornelius understand? We answered. The answer is no, because they, he sends messengers says, listen, you're supposed to come to our house and tell us something. <laughs> Could you imagine how confusing with that? Peter says, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. By the way, we talked about this morning in Bible study. This is not the passage of Scripture to tell you that Jesus died so that Jews can now eat bacon and ham sandwiches. This is not about food. Y'all understand that? This is about people. Cornelius would have been a white guy. Peter would have been a Jewish guy, a brown guy. A Middle Easterner taking the message to a white guy. And what's going to happen? So this whole household might know and the gospel would go through Europe. But just before this, Philip, who was a brown guy, took the gospel to a black man who went to Ethiopia and actually told the Ethiopians about Jesus Christ. Do you see God spreading his church around the world? It was his plan. And then we see Peter and Philip before that, even in Samaria, where people were neither black nor white nor brown. They were mixed because one was a Gentile dad and a Jewish mother. It was, they were not considered clean people because they were mixed people. So God took care of it. Listen, listen if you're white, black, brown, we always sing the song, red, yellow, and black and white, they're precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Is that true? You were a child. Have you ever been a child or are you a child now? The answer is yes. You have been a child or you are a child now. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. You've got to get that in your mind and understand that. No matter how, how tough times are, Jesus loves you. No matter how good times are, Jesus loves you. No matter what kind of state your life's in, Jesus loves you. No matter about COVID-19, Jesus loves you. Do you understand your spiritual resume is, hey, Jesus loves you no matter what. If you wear a mask, Jesus loves you. If you don't wear a mask, Jesus loves you. If you're in prison, Jesus loves you. If you're in that White House, Jesus loves you. You've got to come to the place to understand, listen, we as people, we celebrated the 4th of July, did we not? There were firecrackers last night. People were blowing up to a way past midnight near our street. It was loud. And I thought about people, listen, we're celebrating. We go from there is no freedom over and over again. The news portrays that to what happened in our community. Celebrating freedom. Celebrating freedom. Right? But we as Christians, we're the only ones that can truly celebrate freedom. The truth has set us free, y'all. Jesus Christ is the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Let's finish this up. Peter received the men into his house for the evening, or the house of Simon. Even though they were Gentiles, he let a man of another race, because his people, his tradition was, where I'm from, and the people I worship with, they say, you can't do this. You can't mix the Gentiles in, because that's the traditions of the fathers. And you think I'm making that up, wait till you continue to read what the Word of God says. And by the way, we plan these messages 
a long time ago. You can ask our Sunday school teachers. You think God had a plan for such a time as this, this word for us today in the culture in the, in the culture that we're in today? God looks past today and tomorrow, right? He knows tomorrow. He knows the past. And God's preparing our hearts to see as a church, we must be about not skin color. Listen, not about skin color whatsoever. Not about backgrounds or cultures or countries. We must be about getting the gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole watching world. Is that true? In Thailand, did anybody on that screen look like you? Except my daughter looked like me. You see, there's people all over the world waiting and watching for someone to come tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. But I got news for you. There's somebody naked waiting as well. There's some little boy or girl in Crosby Park. There's somebody, listen, over in Exeter. There's somebody waiting for you and me to tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. There's somebody in the valley somewhere. There's somebody down in New Elton. There's someone waiting for you and me to tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. It's your job. It's my job to tell them. We've been redeemed. We must tell the story. But you see this, God is calling us today to put down the traditions of men and to get busy sharing the gospel. God wants all men to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Read those two scriptures when you get home. God shows no favoritism to any people group. Is God calling you today to salvation? Do you know that you know that you know that you've been saved, church, friends, family? Do you know for certain that you're, that you're saved? If you do, you can say amen. Listen, God, God has affirmed that in my heart. Well, let me ask you this. Have you followed up with believers' baptism? Because that's a command as well. And if you have, have you followed up with actually being in a Bible study where you're under the teaching of a teacher who teaches the Word of God? Is someone giving you, speaking into your Word? That's what Cornelius was. He was a lost man, but he was going to Bible study. He was more faithful coming to his Sunday school class than some Christians are today. Is that true? I got, all, I got the Bible myself. I don't need to come to Sunday school class because I know everything. It's evident by your walk. Is that true? You can tell the people who know everything because they live in like the world. They're running hard. They're running this way and that way. They're coming to the place. I don't need you to teach me. I'll teach myself. You know what the Bible says the pastors are responsible for doing? You don't have to like it. It's just what the Word of God says. The jo my job is to equip you for the work of the ministry. And if you don't show up to work day, you can't get the equipment. Amen? You've got to show up to get up and put out. You say, well, I don't, I'm not comfortable. Okay, listen, turn it on. Some people are watching by home today, and they're taking notes, getting equipped. Church, listen, I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon. And I know for a fact we're seven days closer this Sunday than we were last Sunday to his return. Amen? Are you ready to see the Lord Jesus Christ? Is your spiritual resume, if you pull up your resume, is it saying, listen, it's a follower of Christ. I'm not talking about being a generous person. Go down and look at Cornelius again. Are you a devout person? You can say yes. Don't tell me. Don't answer. Are you of a good reputation? Could be. Are you a generous person? Could be. Do you help the poor? Could. Do you pray sometimes? Do you read the Bible sometimes? Are you a family person? Very good. Are you sensitive to the things of God? Very good. But listen, that's descriptive of a man who was not a Christian. That was a man who was actually, listen, God was warming his heart, but he was not a Christian. He didn't accept Christ. You'll see in just a moment, if you keep reading, not in a moment, next week. He didn't receive Christ until God he heard the message of Jesus Christ, and he, he received what God had to offer him. God's breaking down barriers today, church. But you know, listen, what does your spiritual resume look like? Does it look like something that actually would honor God? When you come, we're about to do the Lord's Supper. Does it come to the place when we enter to the Lord's Supper table, when we come to this place and say, this is so precious to me, or do we let our kids just pick it up like it's a snack? Hey, can I go drink the rest of the juice? Can I eat all the crackers real quick? Do we, do we so nonchalantly take it like this that we say, listen, 
I don't remember what he did for me on the cross, and I'm not looking forward to his return. Is that how we take it? Let me challenge you today as I pray. What is the one we come? We'll take the cup. The deacons will come. The deacons will stand, and if you need any assistance, they'll bring it to you. If we have any in the back, if you need, if you need help, just raise your hand. But before we do this, listen, there's an invitation for us to get right with God. That we actually get our hearts and our lives right with God because our resumes, listen, are being written every day. We've got to come to the place that, listen, when God checks it, he's not checking it for errors and spelling errors. He's checking it for errors that we actually sin against him. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me ask you today, listen, have you given your heart life to Jesus Christ? Are you obedient to him? Are you following him? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today, and I know almost laborious today in the church to, to get the word out because, look, Father, we don't want to hear this. I wish to God that we would have hearts like this lost man that are sensitive to you, God. But I also, Lord, wish that we had hearts like Peter as Peter responds. Peter has to break down all these barriers in his personal life. Everything he's been taught since he was a boy has been scrambled. He had to receive you as the Messiah. And now, Lord, he's having to lay down all the things he believed about, mixing with other people who are not of his same race or his same religion. Just like Peter, we have decisions to make. And Father, I'm thankful today that Peter was obedient to you. I'm thankful today that Cornelius was obedient to you. And their spiritual resumes, we read them right now in the Bible. That Father, they were men of God who followed after you. Lord, let us be people of God who chase after you. Oh God, save this people, save this county, save this state, save this nation. We celebrated freedom, Father, and we forgot all about you. Freedom from the oppression of England, but Father, only to have a nation that prospers under the tyranny of Satan. Father, let us truly turn our hearts back to you, devoted, give our jobs to you, our houses to you, our cars to you, our stuff to you. Father, you can actually use us for your kingdom. We need you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.